Check, check, mic check. Mic check, mic check. check. Welcome to Making Sense of Wealth with Andrew Whalen, your personal CFO. The show where we break down complex financial topics and market events into investor-friendly concepts so that you can make better informed decisions about your financial future. Because if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Welcome to Making Sense of Wealth. My name is Andrew Whalen, CEO and financial advisor of Whalen Financial, a personal CFO company dedicated to providing financial advice to consumers. Um, today is our first podcast of Making Sense of Wealth. Our goal in this podcast is to educate the end consumer on complex financial um, investments and topics to make it a better roadmap for your financial future. Uh, on today's program, I've got my grandfather as a guest today, and it's a little tender moment for me. When I was 14, I was a semi-co-host, more of a stock researcher on his radio program called Let's Talk Money. Today, we're going to be going over uh, the generational shifts of financial advisors, how the industry's really changed. And I thought it would be an opportune moment for me to have you on my first podcast, bring it kind of full circle, um, and bring you on the podcast for the first time. So, Al? Well, it's my privilege and pleasure to be on (laughs) your very first podcast. Uh, My professional career started in 1975 as a a tax accountant. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, and I'll just go through this. In 1982... Uh, I became an enrolled uh, agent, which is someone who's enrolled to practice before the IRS. Now, that was five years before I was born. (laughs) (laughs) I did a lot before you were born, believe it or not. I agree. I agree. Uh, In 1985, I joined a financial firm of Waddell & Reed, where I learned how to do my first financial plan. In 1987, I became a certified financial planner. Which is known as a CFP. A CFP. In 1980 is when I started that radio program you were talking about. It was actually called Let's Talk Taxes the first two years, and then we changed it to Let's Talk Money, where callers could call in nationwide and ask questions on Social Security, retirement, stocks, They put you on the hot seat. They put you on the hot seat. Yeah, estate, tax planning, anything that had anything to do with things financial. Right. So uh, that's kind of where we went, and I did that program until... 2008 when I went into semi-retirement. Yeah, and it's really interesting to me, you know, we're talking about generational shifts, Um, the shifts between radio and podcasting. Uh, We're starting to see a decent amount of financial advisors starting to try and educate the general public and talk to them about it, much like you did uh, from the 80s to the early uh, mid-2000s. So that's just something that's interesting to point out. I think this is very similar, believe it or not, to a radio talk show because I'm before a mic. Now, forget the fact that you're also filming me. I don't have to worry about parting my hair today. Sure. <laughs> but uh, it is before, Mike, and I'm, I'm actually excited to do it. So I'd love, love to get your opinion on what it means to be a financial advisor today. You know, um, in the, the, the days gone by, decades before, an, uh, an advisor for a person only had to find investments that were called suitable. Sure. Today, many advisors are registered investment advisors, and they have to adhere to something called the fiduciary standard. So uh, it's much more complex. they got to do the right thing all the time for the client, not just 
put them in an investment they think is suitable at the time. And and there's a big misconception there with a lot of people think that it just applies to IRAs. But no, it a registered investment advisor, as you are one, you you well know that that standard, that fiduciary standard, goes across the board in everything you deal with with the client, your retirement planning, your financial plan, uh, the way you handle your investments, every single action you take with a client has to be bound by the fiduciary standard today. Right. I mean, so if I had to sum it up in a few words, I would say, you know, what it means to be a financial advisor today would be integrity, honesty, uh, our key cornerstones of being a financial advisor, specifically with so many of us out there, um, that it can be overwhelming uh, to the end consumer. And since so many of those that are out there can call themselves by a myriad of uh, names like financial advisor, CFO of your financial plan, sure, um, <laughs> you know, insurance advisor. Yep. I mean, there's a myriad of names that give themselves to sound more professional, but if they're not a registered investment advisor as you are, if they're not a certified financial planner as I am, they are not bound by that same fiduciary standard. Yeah, you, and, and to get on that, um, I think because of that change, that the uh, such as the best interest rule, that planning process has is almost changed as well. Uh, um, I mean, if you think back to like we talked right before we went on air, uh, the 1980s to even now, from minor things like taxes to financial plans. Uh, let me, why don't, yeah, let me reiterate. Okay, <laughs> in 1975, when I did a financial, I didn't do a financial plan at that time, but when I did taxes. Uh, we got packet checks from the IRS, which had a copy of all the federal forms. We'd take a copy of the form we were going to work on for the client. We would make a photocopy of it, then fill it out by pencil, make our corrections as addition and subtraction and multiplication took wait, place. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say pencil? Pencil. Pencil to the paper. So you could erase it if you made it. Made a mistake. Yeah. We erased it. And then when we got everything right and we thought the math was right, double-checking it with a calculator, we photocopied it, it became an original, we had the client sign it, mail it in. Now today, we have software, so if you know how to input data, uh, it, the, the computer is gonna make all the math right and it's gonna put it on the proper forms. Right. You still have to know tax call because you, for me, I, I pretty much know the outcome based on what I'm inputting because I did taxes by hand for so many years, but these poor people starting today that only know what it is to input in a piece of software, couldn't tell if the tax return was right or wrong. The computer takes charge. Right. And I would assume the same goes for financial planning. Oh, incredibly so. We used to do all of the elements of a financial plan by typing it up, putting it in a loose leaf notebook, uh, having the client review it with us, and then do an impl uh, implementation program if, it was, if they found they wanted to go forward. Today, you can do so much more because of the the strength and power of a computing system mm -hmm. uh, that can crunch numbers like crazy. You can play all the what-if games. Yeah, it's a lot different than using an HP-12C to calculate the entire financial plan. I lived by an HP-12C. In fact, I was so insecure, I kept one in my glove box. I kept one in <laughs> my desk drawer. I kept one at my home. And for those who Every don't know, place. an HP-12C calculator is a... Um, 
highly capable calculator used for accountants, tax advisors, yeah, and financial we advisors. So we can do the calculations. If we wanted to do the future value of sure. a mortgage or something like that. So we had to just that. to kind of translate that into today, uh, what I think is interesting is we have the software now for our clients where we basically build a profile online and they can use their username and password for their online accounts to import the actual data from their various banks or investments even prior to the meeting. So I would assume back when you were doing financial plans, they had to bring everything in, you had to rely on that statement's value, and that all impacts the ability to do the financial projections. We did a net worth as of that moment, sure. and the date of all those financial statements. Today, as you say, you can put them on a, a platform that integrates all of that data from their banks, their credit unions, their savings accounts, the brokerage accounts, their every single thing they have, imports it into a portfolio, gives them a net worth statement anytime they want to view it. Right. It's incredible the evolutions that have taken place in the financial planning process. Yeah, and I think over the next 10 years, it's going to feel like 30 years worth of development because of technology, the commoditization of technology, the race to zero in fees um, that really tried to um, put us down as financial advisors and just focus on the fee section of what we do on a daily basis versus the other services that we provide. Um, so to get back to uh, then versus now, do you think it's more important to have an advisor now or was it more important then when data wasn't as accessible, when you had to go physically maybe to a library or get periodicals to get the data that's required to be an investor versus today you turn on any news network or go to any financial website and you can get the data that you need. Listen, I was a principal in an NASD registered broker dealer. Okay. Our quotation system called Quotron costs us 120000 a year. Well, that's a pretty penny. And that was just to get quotes on stocks. We had all sorts of other things. You've got hundreds of sources that give you what I used to pay almost a quarter of a million dollars a year for. Mm -hmm. It's free, and there's 100 times more data available to anybody. You don't have to be a broker. You don't have to be licensed. It's available to everybody. Yeah, the, the data world, has been commoditized. The world has changed, but your question was right to the point. Is it more important to be a financial planner then? which I thought it was pretty important for people to have me. Right. But today it's even critically more important. Why? The estate laws have gotten more difficult. The tax laws have gotten more complex. Every aspect of this business is much more complex than it was when, it, when I started out. I can tell you when I started out, there were mutual funds and stocks right. so, and bonds, and that's it. I mean, the... The, the overabundance of information hasn't really simplified the process for the end investor. Is that what you're saying? It's absolutely complex. Right. Uh, the whole system is complex, but now the myriad of investment selection choices are incredibly large. Yeah, you know, to, to tie that in, I think that, um, you know, I think it's almost more important now, so I agree with you. I think it's almost more important now to have a trusted partner uh, when it comes to your finances, even more so than it was then, because of the constant amount of data that's being thrown at us. I mean, we have clients that you know may see something that is a fake news story on Facebook um, and call in and wonder if they should sell XYZ investments because of the news stories that they saw. Um, and that may not even be true. 
So that overabundance of information has really drowned out the end investor to a degree where they actually are a little bit even overconfident in their investment strategy. But more importantly, and why at Wayland Financial, uh, we consider ourselves a personal CFO is because of the massive amount of miscommunication either between a tax advisor that a client has or an estate attorney that the client has and the financial planner where that left hand isn't really talking to that right hand. Um, and to really bring that whole cohesive team together uh, is extremely valuable um, in this day and age. You know, way back when, I was everything. I was their estate planner, I was their tax planner, I was their investment advisor. So wait, you saying I, I cop copying your model from then or yeah except that you're surrounding yourself with professionals with expertise in their science right which is not something i did i had to have all that expertise and and you're never as good in a myriad of subjects as you would be in one specific subject tax planning and estate planning is what i do for your firm now and um, i can tell you right now i can look at dozens of tax returns if they have any business orientation at all, I can always find savings sure. in tax dollars and tell them things that they should be doing that they're not doing. And their tax advisor either didn't do it or didn't have the time to do it. Uh, we And you gotta remember when you're building somebody's retirement portfolio, uh, you not only have to build an accumulation of dollars, but the outsourcing of those dollars when the distribution period kicks in what's taxable, what's right, non-taxable. Like, yeah, we worked on a case today. A client uh, was funding a tremendous amount into their individual retirement plan uh, when we're living in one of the lowest tax environments in modern history. Uh, and there's a higher probability that taxes may go up in the future. Um, and if you have all of your eggs in qualified plans, you're really stuck to the guns of what the government decides to do with taxes. Um, so that's a great example, right? Um, Very limited resources to that you can't produce call... the best cash flow. Right. And, and I, I think in today's society, we, we tend to focus a little bit too much on, uh, like I said, that race to zero, right? Commoditizing what we do as planners, what we do as a financial company uh, into how much does a ticket charge cost? Um, like today, Interactive Brokers and Charles Schwab. So I don't know if you saw it, Charles Schwab stock was off pretty tremendously today on the news that they're no longer going to charge for stock trading, um, which makes up about a third of their revenue to compete with Interactive Brokers. Um, and I just think that potentially misleads the end consumer uh, and into thinking that they can maybe do everything on their own, but they're not thinking about the tax planning or the estate planning portion if and when they die. Do their accounts have the proper registrations? Um, so it's just interesting to me that change where um, when you were doing financial planning and you were a financial advisor, it was a lot different then. Much simpler. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit more simpler. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to leave you with this. Um, if I was a client that walked into your office in 1989, what is the most important question I could ask you if I was interviewing you to be my financial advisor? The most important question you could ask me? If I was a potential client. Hmm. What do you expect out of this relationship? Interesting. And I would want them to know what the possibilities are. I really do need to know what a client is thinking when they talk to me anyway. 
but do they just want somebody that helps them pick a stock? Do they want somebody that'll help them reach a retirement goal, educate their kids, uh, reduce their taxes, make sure their estate is preserved with least cost in the event of a death, make sure they have all their risk in life taken care of through adequate insurance, whether it's car insurance, house insurance, life insurance, disability insurance. Right. Uh, and, you know, today- I think, you, I think you just listed off all the topics that we're gonna go over in this podcast. So, <laughs> but, but back then it was, what do you expect out of this relationship? Absolutely. And I think today, if you were a client walking into my office, I think the most important question you could ask me is, do you have my best interest at heart? Uh, and prove that. Um, so I, I just like I wanted to bring those two together where it's basically the same concept of what we were discussing, just a little bit different timeline. Um, so I just want to thank you for coming in today. Um, I know you got to get up to Utah tomorrow, so I know you're going to enjoy your time up there. Um, but that's going to conclude our first podcast in this series. Can I say something in parting? Uh, you can, absolutely. I not only raise you, but I'll think, also think you're the smartest young man in this industry. Oh, well, and I didn't even have to pay you for that one. <laughs> so that's even better. Um, but we are going to sign off. This is uh, Making Sense of Wealth. I want to thank Al Whalen for coming in today. Uh, we are going to be doing this at least twice a month, depending on what happens in the financial realm. And we look forward to talking to everybody um, at least twice a month. So signing off. And remember, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPIC. Wayland Financial is a separate entity from LPL. This material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice and recommendation for any individuals. Al Wayland is not affiliated with Wayland Financial or LPL Financial.